You're listening to The Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Scaiano. You've seen them, right? Those cool new avatars on social media where people look like fairies or otherworldly beings. They are fierce, they are ethereal, and they are stylized. You may have even tried them out yourself. For $3.99, you can get 50 images. The Lenza app is lighting up the app stores. And how could it not with its dreamy and intoxicating imagery? But as with the larger AI conversation, the Lenza's app popularity has sparked controversy. The concerns include theft from artists to sexualization and diversity issues. I recorded a two-part series on artificial intelligence already, episodes 124 and 125 of the podcast. So go check them out to be more informed on what is AI and how it works. Today's episode is a follow-up, a pop culture example that leans right into the conversation of episode 125, artificial intelligence, the dark side. In that episode, I highlight With the technological advancements in the area of AI, there are ethical and equitable issues that arise. How does who builds the technology affect the outcome? What happens when computers are acquiring their learnings from the general public with all of their biases? And how does security and privacy figure into all of this? What are the ethical issues when it comes to artists' rights? So you don't have to become an expert in AI, machine learning, and tech, but you do want to have an understanding about what's driving the technology options for your business and your life, right, and your lifestyle, and what it means for your growth, your customers, and how you interact online. You know, AI technology is showing up everywhere, from entertainment and healthcare to transportation and shopping, both online and in-store. And we are only at the very beginning of how this is going to integrate into our daily lives. I'm super excited for this episode today, just to talk about this current event and look at it from multiple viewpoints, and also to help you decide if you want to play. The long game is the Lenza app. Should you try it? In a world where everyone is doing It's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The long game? That's my approach to business. You gotta show up, you gotta do the work, and there are no quick fixes for long-term success. It takes creativity, it takes strategy, and it takes listening to the voice inside you. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, bringing you real-world business-building experiences conversations with creators who are out there doing it now, and ideas to spark the energy in your own business. And along the way, we're going to have a little bit of fun as well. So thanks for being here, and let's get to today's episode. I really want to come in and talk about this concept of trends like this, you know, using the Lenza app to create magic avatars as they are referred to. And how this is part of a broader question, as well as an understanding of the technology that you are stepping into and how you can use it and empower yourself at the same time. So for anyone who isn't familiar, social media is a flurry with these magic avatars 
created by using the Lenza app. The app is available on both iTunes and Google stores, so everyone, no matter the device, can make ethereal, stylized, and fierce-looking avatars for a mere $3.99 to start. You know, you upload your photos of yourself and you get these artificial intelligence-generated output in styles ranging from fairy to anime. And this sounds great and totally fun, right? You know, and people are sharing their results as well as their opinions all over the net. All right, there are really three items that people have been talking about when it comes to this app and, and to artificial intelligence in general. One being that the AI works created are pulled from millions of existing images. You know, that have been created by other artists who have not given their permission. These are being used without their permission. They are literally training the machines off the work that other artists have created from when time started, basically. And that's what AI does. It is built by scraping millions of images from the open web, then teaching algorithms to recognize patterns and relationships in those images to generate new ones with the same style. And this means that artists who upload their works to the internet may be unwittingly helping to train their algorithmic competitors. There is actually one magic avatar that I saw that looks like a Vermeer. You know, he was a Dutch painter from the 1600s and his portrait, Girl with a Pearl Earring, is one that you will know as soon as you Google it and see it. And one writer noted in a piece when I was researching for this uh, episode that her magic avatars, one came back, and I'm quoting, looking vaguely like disgraced Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes, black turtleneck and all. And it really did when she showed it. I could just shoot, pick out which one she was referring to. So yes, you know, this AI avatar uh, technology is pulling from the Baroque era all the way until now. All right. Number two, in terms of issues, is that people are being over-sexualized in their images. You know, women are receiving the majority of these images back. And also that people are being whitewashed in images. You know, they are lightening the skin tone of brown and black uploaded images. So just one search of Lenza, and it's going to produce a myriad of samples where women are like, buxom, even though they stated that they only uploaded headshots. And this is also seen in the anime and fantasy genres of output. You know, lots of women who are created with the male gaze. And Black women are getting magic avatars with white skin and dreadlocks. The social media comments from women really just say it all. A paper magazine story on Lenza shares these responses from women. Quote, I'm testing the Lenza AI avatars people are doing on Instagram. So far, most of the men's are coming back great. Mine, woman, is coming back literally naked or not safe for work images. I've tried three sets of images, including ones that don't show past the neck. Another one is, guys, WTF, I did that Lenza AI thing and it made me naked in every picture. So it's out there. It's happening. Just a search to find all of them. And the third issue is that AI art brings to the surface is really about privacy and security and company terms. You know, Lenza states that they don't keep your uploads and you can email them to request deletion of your assets, 
But the terms that many AI apps state, and including lenses, which I'm going to read to you, do actually sound just like this. Quote, you grant us a perpetual, revocable, non-exclusive, royalty-free, worldwide, fully paid, transferable, sub-licensable license to use, reproduce, modify, adapt, translate, create derivative artworks from, and transfer your user content without any additional compensation to you and always subject to your additional explicit consent for such use where required by applicable law. And as stated in our privacy policy, you grant us consent to use the user content regardless of whether it includes an individual's name, likeness, or persona sufficient to indicate the individual's identity. You further acknowledge and agree that our use of your user content will not result in any injury to you or to any person authorized to act on your behalf. Whew, that's pretty loaded, right? And really, many of us like don't care for images used for an advertisement type of thing, let's say, right? Like, okay, we're getting a little extra exposure on it. But it's really the total unknown here that's troubling. Like, could they use your image and make it into the lead character in a pornographic animated show? Seems they could, right? And we don't even really know the extent as to what can be dreamed up with this software, you know? And, and especially us on the other side as users, like we're just learning about this and diving into how it all works, right? And that's why we have to investigate and we have to read the terms because those bold terms are especially eye-raising when you are actually paying for the use of this technology already. So there's a lot to unpack here. And, and that's why I wanted to do this episode because this example of Lenza is so tangible. It's AI that we all have access to and you know we're all using in some way. So we are part of the conversation in ways that we didn't realize or in ways that we were not part of before. So after all of this talk, should you use Lenza? And in my opinion, it comes back to the question of what is art to you? You know, that's really what that conversation is about here. In my university art classes, we were introduced to the concept of appropriation. And according to the MoMA, appropriation is the intentional borrowing, copying, and alteration of existing images and objects a strategy that has been used by artists for millennia. It took on new significance in the mid-20th century with the rise of consumerism and the proliferation of images through mass media outlets from magazines to television. All right, so in our references of art, appropriation can be seen, you know, let's just say we all know Pablo Picasso, right? Like from his time and that modernist tradition of art, but later, you could really recognize appropriation in art with the likes of Andy Warhol and Roy Lichtenstein, whose art both crossed over into pop culture fame. So this concept of appropriation in the art world, it's been happening forever. And this AI art technology, in my opinion, is a new world application of what appropriation is. 
You know, it's a referencing, right? Think Andy Warhol's Marilyn Monroe screen print. We can all visualize that in our heads, right? Or his Campbell's Soup Cans print. You know, those are world-famous artworks, and we all recognize them. And even some brands that enter the art lexicon become iconic in a new way, like Campbell's Soup, right? You know, even though pop culture was about consumerism and, you know, that corporation was part of that, Warhol's use raised that level of Campbell's to a pop icon brand. So basically, appropriation uses another work or ideas and creates new artworks. And I just want to remind you guys that, like, there's a number of links in the show notes for you to follow up on here. You know, artists, appropriate other works and they do it for social commentary as well as to create entirely new artworks with new meanings. In Ars Technica article titled With Stable Diffusion You May Never Believe What You See Online Again states some artists are delighted they're referencing AI in art here by the prospect. Others aren't happy about it. And society at large still seems largely unaware of the rapidly evolving tech revolution taking place through communities on Twitter, Discord, and GitHub. All right, so what is Stable Diffusion that I just referenced? Well, it's an open source software that's available to anyone, basically. Like anyone can, you know, interconnect this into their apps and software that they're creating. So any AI pulls its learning from millions of samples, be it image or text samples, you know, like we talked about in episodes 124 and 25, we went into copy and things like that. So these programs are trained by what they are exposed to and they create new by users entering keywords. So according to GitHub, Stable Diffusion is a latent text-to-image diffusion model. You know, they were able to train latent diffusion model on 512 by 512 images from a subset of this humongous database of billions of images. And similar to Google's Imogen, which is another text to image model, stable diffusion model uses a text encoder to condition the model on text prompts. So basically, you enter text as keywords, it computes that and turns it into imagery with stable diffusion. So stable diffusion is used in the imagery and art piece. And really, I wish I could just read this whole technical article to you guys, because there's just one poignant statement after another. So here's another one. Image synthesis arguably brings implications as big as the invention of the camera, or perhaps the creation of visual art itself. (laughs) Boom. Even our sense of history might be at stake, depending on how things shake out. Either way, stable diffusion is leading a new wave of deep learning creative tools that are poised to revolutionize the creation of visual media. It could like change history, right? It's crazy. So that's why we've got to all be a part of this and understand and have lend our voice to the conversation as it's going. So Artists and painters during the 1980s are really where I learned about art and appropriation. Artists like Jeff Koons, who appropriated everyday objects into his art. Think back to the balloon animal, the dog uh, that he created, and, and then he 
remade them in bold metallics and they were sized larger than life as sculptures. Or Andre Serrano's Piss Christ, like completely appropriating religion. And in 1989, this large scale red and yellow photograph of a plastic crucifix submerged in a vat of the artist's own urine, it ignited a congressional debate on U.S. public arts funding, right? Like he got the conversation to the masses, but it was, he was using iconography in different ways. Other artists who were very influential on my art experience um, that I was exposed to were Cindy Sherman and Barbara Kruger. And I've mentioned both of these women as influences before here on the podcast. And, you know, their work and what they were doing, um, Cindy Sherman was uh, the original selfie, right? She always did self-portrait in certain circumstances and settings. And Barbara Kruger really was about using text in her imagery and very bold, red, black, white, gray type of work. And they really round out what was happening and what the conversations were in society at that time. And I do want to just point out that I love this quote from Barbara Kruger about her work. Again, one of her most famous pieces of work is a woman's head, black and white uh, digital print with a red box and white text that says, your body is a battleground. I mean, that's still relevant today, made in the 80s, right? And so the quote from her is, do you know why language manifests itself the way it does in my work? It's because I understand short attention spans. She was way before her time. And I know I've referenced her here on the podcast because she was the original meme. Um, and people are, you know, even the look and feel of the black box with the, the white text. I mean, that's a total Barbara Kruger um, appropriation happening right there. All right, I digress. So this idea of stable diffusion as a form of appropriation is really my own concept. Like, you know, I don't know if that's even a, a conversation that's being had elsewhere. I haven't heard it as much or come across it in my research for this, but to me, it's really interesting how these tech coders are the new digital artists, you know, via this use of stable diffusion. And a lot of artists do use this to create digital art. Back in episode 125, you know, we talked about someone who won the art fair first place prize and he used AI. So I've been influenced by these artists and their work, and they raise all of these issues. And it's helped me formulate my opinion of where I stand on things. You know, stable diffusion does build off of millions of other artworks, you know, to form patterns and then to be applied to creating something new. And that is appropriation without any overt visual commentary on the the references that are used in the new artwork. It's just pulling and using, right? So what artists are saying about commercialism, et cetera, through the use of branded art references, you know, that's not being done here. It's not a reference where you're seeing the original image. It's a behind the scenes reference, right? But one could argue that the commentary is also being created by the gender and the beliefs of those creating the code as well. So as Stable Diffusion states on GitHub, 
Stable Diffusion version 1 is a general text-to-image diffusion model and therefore mirrors biases and misconceptions that are present in its training data. So this may be why so many women are getting avatars produced by Lenza with deep cut tops and lots of boob, right? Even when the photos uploaded to Lenza were all headshots or why darker skinned uploads are being lightened in their avatar imagery. Appropriation is about pulling on shared references to make a new point or new work. You know, the image AI gets trained on is just like how voice AI works and it's trained each time you speak. So it gets refined over a time period. And really AI is here to stay and it's only going to grow from here. And that's why I think it's so important that I produce episodes like this where we can discuss what is happening while we are in the midst of it. You know, it's too easy with technology to be like, it's over our heads. I don't know what's going on. I'm not into that. And I heard it just really the other day um, where people are like, I'm not techie, right? But, you know, we could just wake up to a world if we're not engaged with it that operates very differently. And you will find that you didn't have a say along the way when that happens. So for me, an integral point into determining how I feel about using AI programs or using the Lenza app comes down to this, all right? Is an artist creating this and using this technology to open our eyes and make comments on society? Or does a corporation own this and is using this technology to make money? Even if a corporation owns it for an artist, like what's the purpose here, right? Because the drivers of the use of personal information differ very much from one use to the next, you know, an artist, an artistic, creative use versus a money-making use. And for me, you can never fully trust the corporation or how they may use things that are created. And it really boils down to a personal decision for you. What is art to you? In the art world, there's a conversation that there are no original ideas anymore. You know, we are also influenced by what we see and what we live. From fashion designers to graphic artists to photographers, they are all creating, having lived in a world full of imagery and art and news cycles and pop culture. Of course, they are influenced by what's around them. You know, it's in the absorbing of these influences that you then add your own ideas and that creates new art. You know, much like I'm talking about that my concept of AI is a modern form of appropriation, right? I have been influenced by all these artists who pulled from their references and now there's a software that is pulling from all of these references too. So, you know, I'm not mad at it. AI is literally everywhere already. Like, try and stop it, right? But I do agree that these conversations and viewpoints are really important to to voice and to get out there. You know, the best thing that you can do is be informed. Take the time not only to Google, but search these terms on social media. You know, these conversations will pop up and you will hear varying points you know, of all the different um, viewpoints that will lead you to make your own decisions about how to approach and use the technology. All right. Thank you all for listening this week. I would love to hear your opinions on 
AI art and the Lenza app. Like, are you using it? Have you tried it? You know, send me a DM on social and I will continue the conversation with you personally. All right, guys, have a great week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more information, links mentioned in this episode and the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on and leave a review. Both of these make a really big difference. All right, until next time, keep playing the long game.